1: Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, matchlick You're listening to matchlick Live. Today is, uh, let's see, September 14th, 2023 for the podcasters. If you want, you can give me a call and we can blab. 877 uh, 207 And And uh, yeah, we can talk. Now, i got some stuff I can read because tomorrow is when I, I can do hate mail and wacko mail and stuff like that. But uh, it's pretty good stuff today, too. Uh, so if you want to give me a call, you have questions. And if you are interested in um, in emailing me instead of uh, getting on the air, you can do that by going to uh, your email. Just email us at info at karm.org. Uh, just put in there something like, um, uh, you know, a radio question or radio comment, and uh, get, get to it. And so we get a lot of stuff like that. We do actually have... Uh, Oh, I've got, let's see, just a rearranging of some stuff. We've got several questions. We've got uh, 57 wacko mails and uh, 32 hate mails because we have some old stuff. And so we get some stuff like that every now and then. But for some reason, to my utter dismay, I don't get as much hate mail. Uh, I don't like it, but that's just what it is. And uh, okay, so it looks like Rumble crashed. So, we'll see what's happening. Are they going to redo that? We'll figure it out. They're going to work on that. Are they going to re- work on that? Uh, are they going to get it going there, Ernie? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He'll figure it out and let me know in the text there. If you want to give me a call, like I said, 877 2276 So, uh, I'm going to get to some of the uh, radio questions and comments. Here's one from Carrie What's the best way to witness to a prideful person who is showing no interest in God? but you know they are healed, or headed for hell, excuse me, and you want to wake them up to this fact. What do you do? You pray. That's what you do. We can't force anybody to listen. And what we have to do is two things. We pray for that person, and you pray, and it may take years. And you be a good witness. You be consistent. You be uh, patient. You don't push it all the time, because you can often uh, uh, put someone down. push them away that way. I was just reading. Sorry, Ernie says, the actual Rumble site is down. Wow. Well, that's interesting. If, by any chance, you want to uh, jump in, anybody to Discord, you can go to Carm.org forward slash social media and you'll see the Karm the, uh, Discord link and that's just something you can do as an experiment to see how many people we can get in there because you usually you, you don't have very many in there because Discord is not that friendly to use but if you want to try it and there's some stuff you can give it a go alright, All right. so Rumble crashed, the actual site is down, well we are on uh, YouTube I believe and also in Facebook so we've got some listeners and some watchers there Alright, let's get to another question. How about this one? Let's see. Wow. Uh, so I wrote an article, Can Christians join fraternities and sororities? And I got an email response to that. And I wrote in there that, you know, a Christian can join or cannot join, depending on a few things. You know, you you can't if they're going to do weird rituals and secret oaths and illicit stuff. You can't You, know, you can't participate. There are Christian uh, sororities, and uh, you can join those, as long as they're not uh, requiring weird, ungodly stuff. So I get this email. Wow, did you mean to give a pass to all college Greek fraternities and sororities? Their crests, banners, symbols are straight out of Greek mythology, paganism. Now, this is interesting because... Uh, so what if they have Greek letters like alpha, omega? What if they have those on their their emblem or their seal or whatever it is? Yeah. So, what if they have uh, a Greek guy philosopher as a toga thing? Ooh, so, we got to be careful. Of what's called the genetic fallacy. The genetic fallacy is the source is bad, so therefore it is bad. First, uh, and also consider First Corinthians ten. Can we eat meat sacrificed to idols? Well, yes, you can, as long as you're not stumbling anybody else. You have freedom in Christ. So, you know, just because those symbols are there doesn't mean it's all bad. And if it's an upside-down cross, <laughs> forget it, you know. But this person goes on. Their, their induction ceremonies and oaths handshakes are secret, forbidden in the Bible. That's what I said. I said, don't, don't do that if that's the case. I've I had concern for years about our church giving money to missions which are campus-centered. Why would you have trouble with church giving to missions that are campus-centered? Wow. Uh, we read about these missionaries going, joining something, whatever that word is. Uh, I don't know. What is it. So anyway, it's unfortunate, not a very clear uh, complaint and used words and stuff. They just don't know what they mean. Hey, give me a call, 877-207-2276. Rumbles back up. Okay So I don't know uh, what that means. So what we'll do is just see. Hey, it looks like it might be working. Let's see. Testing. All right. All right. Let's get to another email. I know that Matt has noticed an increase in those who want to deny the deity of Jesus. Now that is true. I have noticed uh, in the uh, past—I don't know, couple of uh, years—a real increase in the attacks on the deity of Christ. I've noticed it quite a bit. Uh, I just ran across Romans 9.5 in the NET which is by human descent came the Christ who is God over all. So I'm going to go to Romans 9.5 and take a look at it. I'm familiar with it. I don't use it that often um, because uh, different translations, for example, uh, let's see, I'll go to Romans 9.5 over here and I'll look at the Greek. So the ESV says uh, he's Christ who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. King James, uh, who is over all, God blessed forever. So the RSV says is Christ uh, God who is over all, blessed. So there's different translations. So I'm going to look at the Greek right now. And what it says is uh, who is uh, over all, God blessed forever. So, so he is overall God blessed. So it's pregnant nominative or it's a straight nominative, and it, a Greek scholar has to look at this and answer the the issue so the reason I don't go there and use that verse is because I don't want to argue with people about which translation is the right one, because whatever you say they're going to go back to the the King James, whatever it is uh, he's, he's, he's blessed by God and they're just going to do that and so I agree that the NET is a good translation for that, but because of of the problem associated with how to exactly translate it uh, I'm not going to go there and waste time It's not a waste of time but you know uh, go in there and get involved with um, with uh, an argument that may not be profitable since different translations have it rendered differently that's why the passage referencing the five Philistines Oh, that's right uh, and that is dealing with uh, the five stones all right, I spoke to me on, I see another email. You asked uh, me to email you. Oh, that's right, the syllogism. And I went over the syllogism before. Um, God created all people. All people are sinners deserving of hell. And um, God doesn't provide that regeneration to all; only some. God leaves those who don't, doesn't regenerate in a state where they can only do evil, not good. God makes people do evil. No, 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 no. He, lives them in a st- he leaves them in a state where they do the evil. It doesn't make God... T- makes them do evil. That's a false syllogism. It's a failure to understand the issue of what's called um, proximate causation and efficient causation. So I've gone over this before in the radio. Let me do it again and uh, get into some of the issues here. So I use Adam as an example of this. So Adam was in the garden and... He he was approached by Eve. Eve gave him the fruit, and he chose to eat the fruit and disobey God. No one forced him to do it. No one made him do it. No one deceived him into it. He freely, willingly chose to disobey God. He is his own cause of the failure. He is his own cause of his sin, so we say, philosophically speaking, logically speaking, he is the efficient cause. He is the efficient cause. That's what it means. No one forced him. He did it of his own free will. The proximate cause is God. The proximate cause of Adam's sin is God. And what that means is that God is the one who arranged the garden to be there, and the trees to be there, and the fruit to be there gave them the word, don't eat of this tree, and allowed the serpent to come into the garden and deceive. So God's not the efficient cause, he's the proximate cause. Culpability or responsibility for your actions is due to your free will choice to do or not do something. So it rests with you alone. This dividing line between efficient causation and proximate causation is really important. So the the critic here fails to understand the difference between what we call efficient cause and proximate cause in this issue. Now, the, there's actually a third issue, the ultimate cause. The ultimate cause of Adam's sin is God because he's what who he created the universe. And created us and put us there so that's the very 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 broad uh, issue and then proximate cause is the immediate context and then the efficient cause is the actual one who's doing the action and the actual one who does the action is Adam and he is his own responsible party here's another one where can you say the t-shirts be found we're gonna be working on that uh, just, we'll get more information about that when it happens later And let's see, I just realized due to how the topics meandered before the room shut down. What room? I'm particularly talking about evolution. Hmm. We had a conversation about the Cambridge Explosion as well as a discussion about hominids. Okay. Uh, So what this is response to is, uh, hello, this is so-and-so. You asked me to compliment you. (laughs) So your voice is very, very nice. Please send me the resources you mentioned during our conversation tonight. So I don't know what resources those are, but I do have some stuff on evolution. I might just talk about evolution stuff uh, because we've got a break coming up. I could like do that every now and then and talk about various issues that I think are important. Maybe I'll do that because sometimes when people don't call, I just talk and I just teach. So maybe I'll do that. Let's see. Um, we've got that. And uh, we've got a break in about a minute. And we've got some. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I got some hate mail. I love hate mail. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, we got some wackos. Man, there's some people who don't know what they're saying, don't know how to argue very well. Do you believe the Apostles' Doctrine, starting with the day of Pentecost, A.D. 33, till today, never stopped being preached, Acts 238, baptism in Jesus' name, salvation? Or do you believe Matthew twenty-eight nineteen? Catholic fathers, just and martyr, responsible for changing the baptismal formula, uh, Google it for yourself right now, today, truth be told, ministries, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, wow, uh, that's just... Uh, that's Pastor Marvin Arnold Ministries. Yeah. It sounds to me like the person doesn't understand uh, the basics of biblical theology and how to understand what's what's going on there. And that is the case. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after the messages. So if you want to give me a call, 877 207 We'll be right back after the break.
0: Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven right, all right. Let's get to, let's see, that'll be Monty from North Carolina. Monty, welcome here on the air. Yeah, peace be unto you, my
2: brother. Hey, thank, um, you. thank you. God has richly blessed me. Um, to get a new Greek English interlinear New Testament from um, it's from Tyndale, and it's in the New Revised Standard. My okay. my question, brother, is what is the most efficient and productive method to use this in my study? Well,
1: it depends on what you're studying and how you're studying. But I would recommend to do very light Greek intro, like learn the basic letters, which will only take you 20 minutes. And uh, so you can at least pronounce the words. But in a good interlinear, depending on what kind you have there, sometimes they have the pronunciation of the words uh, in there. Like, uh, you know, in the beginning was the word, in That's and It'll teach you how to pronounce the Greek. And sometimes, depending on the interlinear, how many rows of information they have, they can give you a literal translation, they can give you um, a translation numbers, or to the Greek, uh, to the strong concordance, and then they have ways of analyzing stuff. So, one of the things I recommend doing is when something piques your interest, is do a word study on a particular Greek word. And see what you find. And, uh, it's often very rewarding and sometimes it's not uh, but a lot of times it is so it just depends what you want to accomplish but I do recommend this a lot of people don't do this and I strongly recommend this is to do outlines and I've been doing outlines for years and years and I have maybe 30 outlines on material that I've been developing over the years and it forces you to arrange things logically and then you find where information is to fit. And so when I, in fact, when I teach my Bible study like I do on Thursday nights, I present to the group an outline. It's verse by verse analysis with the comments in an outline form. And it's very quick, very basic, and it's informative. It's sort of long narrative points. That's just how I think. And I I think it works better that way to categorize information so you can retain it, alright?
2: That's right very helpful um, mm-hmm. to me. It appears in this book that there is one row of uh, interpretation under the Greek words and then on the interpre- very... S-
1: yeah, that would not be an interpretation, it would be a translation. Because translation, to interpret I'm is... Afraid. Yeah, it's that, just yes. so you know because when you get into this precision makes a difference interpretation is is verbal to verbal translation is written to written okay 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 so they're yeah, translating alright mm-hmm. thank you for the correction um, it's, just and a, then, it's a small uh, thing but it's important because when you do this kind yeah. of work they'll say interpretation or translation and they mean different things that's why it's important correct okay
2: on the, thank you, sir. On the right hand side, it then has, uh, now I've confused this to try, it has on the right hand side, I guess, what the commentators use to explain mm-hmm. what, what it is. Mm-hmm. And then it's, this is in the new revised standard version, but I have been studying in the MacArthur Study Bible from the New American Standard. So should I compare each one? Sure, compare them.
1: Yeah. And also when you find uh, something that doesn't exactly match, that's good. Because you need to study why. And usually when you do that, you'll find out what's going on. Because Greek can have different shades of meaning. A single word can have... at least 24 different forms that the nouns can and they have different play and it's called uh, you know the cognates of the form of the word so you can have uh, nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, optative, you can have masculine, feminine, neuter and you can have plural and singular and all these variations are woven into nouns. Well depending on a few things it, you can have a slight meaning difference on how a translator might want to see something, so that's why it's it's worth looking at and just comparing. You'll you'll, yeah. just, you'll benefit. Okay.
2: Well, I was blessed also to have a Greek to be to be given a Greek grammar beyond the basics by Wallace, Good. and Good sometimes book. I get a little. Oh, thank you, sir. I get a little overwhelmed in going around, you know, trying to um
1: understand what I'm reading uh, if that, this yeah. Greek
2: has uh, really become Greek to me
1: pardon the that's pardon yeah, I get you I get you uh what I would do is uh just go through little by little you can also if you're interested you don't have to go very deep into Greek but you can uh, just go online look up at YouTube and say uh basic introduction to biblical Greek You know, look it up and you'll have people talking about it and you'll go, oh, that makes sense. Where before it didn't, because it's just not that easy to to pick it up. uh, Unless you're linguistically minded and you don't understand a few basics, you can get lost pretty quickly. And so you have to know things like what is the nominative case, the genitive, the dative, the accusative, you know. And so these have to do with what's called direct and indirect objects and possession and subjects, and once you understand those basics, you go, oh, I see what's going on and it's not that big a deal it, okay. isn't, it isn't. And okay.
2: then one last log on the fire um, I think you had made a, a recommendation about the new American Standard version yes, I, that you that's what I
1: I've been um, using it for many years, 30, 35, 40 years, I don't know, it was a long time
0: Okay.
2: Um, well, Matt, I, I really appreciate your ministry, and um, oh, I do love keeping you in my prayers because I recognize your job is not the easiest one, but you do it with a lot of zeal, and I think you have a genuine love for people, and that shows through on the radio, so you keep it up, and you are constantly in my prayers.
1: Thank you, I pray. I appreciate it i'm chuckling because of genuine love i like to say to people yeah i fake that pretty well uh but uh, you know as a joke but i do have asperger's and so we don't need the social stuff as a lot of much a lot of people do but you know what i do care how people uh, are before the lord i want them to find christ and that's what's important and uh that's it okay so praise god brother.
2: Lord. all right 71 years of age i've learned to distinguish the genuine from the uh from the non-genuine so god bless
1: you my brother well thanks bro i appreciate it all right all right Bye. okay bye god bless well, you too so that's monty from north carolina let's jump on with randall from texas randall welcome you're on the air
3: Thank you. I'm glad to be on. Uh, I, uh, this is the right. I jumped on uh, yesterday to your uh, video the other day and just had had a lot of fun
1: uh, chatting with you. Uh, I was just going to oh, ask if, we, what we would you? We got a break. break. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Sorry about that. Just where where no the timing goes. We'll get right back. Okay. Hey, folks. We have three open lines. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. We'll be right back.
0: Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's
1: Matt Slick. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get back on with Randall. Randall, how are you doing, buddy?
3: Good. So I just uh, had a real quick question I wanted to ask. Um, if you could just share maybe what are some of your favorite um Uh, I don't want to say proofs necessarily, but some of your favorite um, arguments for the existence of God that you have found effective in evangelism.
1: Evangelism is different than apologetics, uh, because out on the street, evangelism is different than online uh, apologetics and evangelism. So I'll I'll do the one that I do online that I developed and uh, accidentally developed, and I find it to be useful. And it's the basic idea that statements are either true or false. It's called the law of excluded middle. And mm-hmm. so what I'll do is I'll say, okay, do you affirm that statements are either true or false? You know, you know I'm talking to you, true, I'm an elephant, false. And I talk about mm-hmm. it. And 99% of the time people say, yeah, that, that's correct. I said, okay, good. Now what I'm going to do is offer you a statement Please tell me if the statement is true. I'm talking to an atheist right now. See. tell me if the statement is true or if it's false. And here's the statement. It is always morally wrong to torture babies to death merely for one's personal pleasure. And I'll repeat it. That's what I do with it. i repeat it. So, is this true or false? It is always morally wrong for anyone to torture babies to death merely for their personal pleasure. And... If they say, no, it's not morally wrong, then I'm going to say, can you please give me an example when it's okay to do that? And they're stuck because it's, you know, it just doesn't work, right? So that's one problem that they have. If they say yes, now they've really got a bigger problem. Because I'm going to say, okay, so what you're affirming then is a universal moral absolute. How do you do that in your atheistic worldview? What I'm doing here, and one thing, is I'm trying to show that the atheistic worldview just is incompetent when it comes to dealing with this kind of an issue. I'm undermining their atheism. That's part one. And I'll say, so if it's the case that it's always wrong for everyone, then you're affirming a universal t- moral truth value. Now, sometimes they'll respond, and they'll say, well, no, it's just my opinion that uh, it's it, everyone's I think there you go. Your opinion is there's a universal moral truth value. So, if you have a, your opinion is there's a universal moral truth value, my question is how do you have that in your atheistic worldview? Since there is, in your view, there is no universal mind, there's no universal moral giver. How do you have a universal moral truth in your worldview? And you can't. So I say, this undermines your own atheism. And yet, at the same time, when you affirm the truth value, you're affirming that your atheism is insufficient because you're saying it's a universal truth. But there's a problem yet again because a universal truth requires, by implication, a universal mind. See, morals, Mm -hmm. we don't find them underneath rocks. We can't put it in a jar, take a picture of a moral. It's an abstract entity. Immoral is something that occurs. So, if, I'm not going to lie to you, Randall. I, you know, if I, if I were to lie to you, that's occurrence in my heart. You may not even know that I have. And so, if I am intending deception, that's an abstraction. It only occurs in minds, in hearts, and souls, spirits. So what do you call it? It doesn't occur out there on the wall. You know, I'm looking at my wall next to me here in the office. That's where the, that's where the lie occurred. It makes no sense. So the idea of morality deals with minds, with spirits, with souls. How do you have a universal mind, or excuse me, a universal moral truth value in your atheism? For one thing, you can't do that because your, your view refutes it. And that's a whole other thing to get into. But the other thing is you're implying there's a universal mind. And I would say mm-hmm. that uh, that means there's a God, the universal mind. And they say, and once we're done with this, I can talk to you about the one in the many issue. And how a universal of moral truth that is universally true has particular manifestations. So how we have the one universal with many particulars and how that can be solved by the Christian Trinity. And I get an that's a whole other part, I'll do that with them too. That's one way. I got another one oh. if you want. Okay? Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. So another one is uh I call it well it's the, it's a variation of the Kalam cosmological argument you can't have an infinite regression of uncaused causes, and it's a basic mm-hmm. principle but what I'll do is i'll say, look all facts all actualities and potentialities exist inside of a causal chain they don't exist independently of any context. so the fact that I have a a, a main coon cat. Which I do. He's twenty pounds, and we call him Flopper. He's got the IQ of of a of a bag of logs. Okay, he's a beautiful, lovely cat. He does. He's got a bag of logs. You know, he used to roll down the the stairs. He's just like we call him Flopper for a reason. You know, he's more coordinated now. When he's, when he's a kid. He was like, and so people come over and go, "What the heck is that? That's our cat." You know, put a saddle on him and you can ride across the room. So anyway, uh, that's that's what you call a digression. So, all facts all all potentialities and actualities have a context so my cat 's existence has context in I own the cat he lives in our home, he was uh, given to us by a family member uh, and someone bought that cat for our family member and flew the cat in uh, from uh, out of state. This is all true; a fact has mm-hmm. a context every fact has a context and every context is a set of other facts. So every fact and set of facts has to have a context. Well, the contexts, they have time, temporality to them. What must be the case for those facts to have their context? Well, whatever came before that? Well, what came before that? How far back do you go? You can't have an infinite number of of contexts. And I can give an illustration for that. But if you want, I will. But the thing is, so it has to be traced back to the ultimate initial cause and the ultimate initial cause is personal or impersonal and how does an impersonal cause initiate all actualities and mentalities as well as well as uh, universal morals how do you get these generated out of an uh, impersonal abstract entity you can't do that so then I, I, this is more complicated. I get into that, and then there's transcendentals which I get into that too as well, the universality, the laws of logic, but you get manifestations. And then when I'm done talking with them a lot of times like this, I say, "Oh, there's one more thing I want to run by you." And they say, "What?" And I say, "Jesus rose from the dead. The eyewitnesses wrote about it. What do you say about that?" And to go mm-hmm. way back, simple. Okay? He rose from the dead. Well, I don't believe it's a book. Blah blah blah. I don't believe this. I go, "Well, you don't have to believe it." but you, you should and if he did rise what does that mean I'll tell you what it means it means everything he said about himself is true and he said "I'm the way the truth and the life and nobody comes to the father but by me you've got to trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins because you've offended the infinitely holy God and his resurrection proves that what he said is true so I'll do that give the gospel message out too okay that's awesome I like
3: that yeah. So very good. Yeah, I just—we're uh, actually working on a project with our church right now on uh, specifically starting an evangelism program, um, and maybe a better term is an evangelistic outreach opportunity okay. uh, to to connect with our neighbors and within our community. So we're we're taking each one of those neighborhood sections um, okay. and, and sending some folks out and so i'm helping to do the training there and just wanted to get some good some some ideas of what would be some you know obviously you're not going to be able to answer all questions at all times but what are some just good hit pocket um uh, bits that you know someone could share quickly uh and and not you know that and, and they didn't have to have a whole lot of background information to be able to get into that
1: well if so, they go door to door for example different things have different contexts and so let's just say, mm-hmm. you know, door to door. Or what if you have a ministry set where you go and mow people's lawns for free? Mm-hmm. What if you, uh, you know, hey, I saw your tree needs trimming. We just have a church group. We want to come in and, and just do it for free. We want to know if that's okay with you. We're not asking for anything. And uh, you could do that, and you have uh, tracks uh, ready, and you can invite them to your church, okay? And nine times out of ten, it's not going to happen. But th- 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 there are different ways that you can do mm-hmm. that. And it just depends on which one you want to go with. So if you tell me which one you're leaning towards, we can talk about some ideas.
3: Yeah, the the direction we're headed um, is leaning towards uh, just knocking on doors and just simply asking, you know, letting them know that we're we're, uh, the church across the street and that's not the name of the church that physically we're across the street from the neighborhood (laughs) and that we're just there to see if we can pray for them for anything and if they say yes, then, you know, with them, connect with them. If they say no, then you know, shake their hand, tell them thanks for thanks for letting us uh, spend your, some time with you, and and move on to the next door, and then uh make you know come back maybe three months down the road and and ask again.
1: That's excellent. What I would also do is have um, a, a track of some sort you could hand out or a piece of paper or something, a brochure that has your church intro on it, directions, the name of the church. And you say, hey, can I leave this with you? And if they say no, okay. But uh, there's a reason for that, too. we got a break. Let's talk a little bit more about this after the break, because that's a really good idea you got. Hey, folks, three open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877 We'll be right back.
0: It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at
1: 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air here with Randall. Randall. Randall, you still, you, uh, still there? Let's see. I hit the thing. Let's see. I don't, hey, I don't know, if, Keith, if you're there, if you can hit go on it, because it's not happening on my end. And... Uh, let's try it again that's weird I don't know what happened so I'll do is I'm not going to do anything I can't do anything I'll just go to Tim from Memphis maybe we get to Randall later Uh, Tim welcome you're on the air oh and by the way hey Ernie from CARM thanks for the $5 rant buddy appreciate it really do All right. okay sorry about that Tim what do you got man
4: hey um, yeah I uh, struggled with homosexual behavior uh, most of my adult life. I went through a program called Web in Action for four years, residential program, and that got me out of the behavior um, for years and years, up until maybe eight years ago when I fell again consistently over a number of years, and just recently in the past eight or nine months, um god got a hold of me that's the easiest way to say it and brought me to a place where i surrendered completely and i said lord you you have my life i don't want this anymore whatever i have to do and and a lot of good stuff has happened um i found a church i've gone back to church i'm consistently praying consistently reading the word um uh, and so forth. But there are times when I'm, I don't, I'm not struggling with, with, uh, with temptation per se, but, but I struggle with, with truly being cleansed and truly being forgiven. Um, you know, because my sins are what I consider grievous and, and so shameful that I'm not, I, I don't want to tell anyone. Um, and, you know, there are, there are times when I get, um bound up in that, and I wonder, how can I truly know true uh deep in in the heart of my heart's forgiveness for some of the things i've done um I guess that's my question. How can I know that deep cleansing you know and then I start thinking about David today, uh you know, how did he find that psalm fifty one cleansing cleanse my heart, oh God. Um, So anyway, that's kind of my question
1: Mm -hmm. for you. Okay. So this is an issue of the heart and the head. And it's easier to talk about what we ought to do rather than doing it. And so I'm going to do the easy part first. And the easy part is, is what you ought to do. You ought to recognize that Jesus Christ, God in flesh, that his blood is of infinite value, and your greatest sin cannot undo the wondrous forgiveness that is accomplished in it. It is. It's not potential. It's actual. In Colossians 2.14, it's pre- preceded by verse 13, When the last few words in 13 says, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, our sins. And then verse 14 says, having canceled out the certificate of debt, the certificate of decrees, which is hostile to us he took it out of the way, having nailed to the cross. So what that means is, Jesus at the cross canceled your sin debt. Not when you asked him to. It didn't occur when you asked him. You're justified when you ask him. The sin debt was canceled by Christ at the cross it's a difficult concept for people to understand the reason this is important is because believe it or not he knew you and your sin and he loved you anyway and on that day on the cross 2,000 years ago your sin was imputed to him all of it all of your sin the sins you've committed those bad sins they're all bad but different degrees and the sins you're going to commit in the future all of them were put upon Christ and they were cancelled at the cross they're not cancelled at your baptism they're not cancelled at communion they're not cancelled at your belief now I've got to give a doctrine lesson here because people are their eyebrows are going up, what do you mean? well we're justified when we believe, justification is a legal declaration of righteousness and you can read Romans 4, the first few verses of Romans 4 for that. And so we have a righteousness that's not our own. The righteousness that comes from God. That's Philippians 3 9. So you have to understand, this is the theology, right? This is the theology. 2,000 years ago. Well, I'll back up even further. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it talks about, it says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we be holy and blameless. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God elected to save you from before the foundation of the world. His love for you is infinite. Is The thoughts for you are infinite. His decrees and his forgiveness in you is infinitely old. And you have to know this, that he chose you in spite of who you are, in spite of your sin. And he chose to love you for what's in him. And that can't be changed. Because it rests in him. Not in you and your performance or your failures or your successes. And so Jesus came to save the ones given to him by the Father. Jesus says in John 6, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the ones who come to me I certainly will not cast out. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. That means you're given by the Father to the Son. And Jesus says... That you cannot be lost. He says, the will of the Father is that all that he's given me, I lose none. So I right, have to understand right. there's a theological thing about you in particular that's infinitely old, that has been from before the foundation of the world. And your sin, which is great, did not stop God from loving you. He didn't right. decide not to love you or temporarily not love you because how bad you can be trust me I know that one I'm like man I'll tell you I've got some sins in my past I'm like oh my goodness the thing is God chose to love you because of what's in him not because of what's in you and what you need to do is you need to trust the love of God in the cross your guilt is right, is, is a proper guilt in one sense but not in another it's proper in that yeah you're guilty but it's not proper in that but he took it away where are your eyes? Are they upon the work of the cross or are they upon the condition of your own heart? Because if it's upon your own heart, your narcissistic tendencies and your failures are going to be the chains that drag you back. If it's upon the cross, then the blood of Christ will continue to cleanse you. John 1, 7 through 7-9. will continue to minister to you. You have got to trust in what He did, not your own condition of your heart. I have a saying. My heart betrays me. My heart betrays me. There's so many sins I've got in my life, in the past. I don't bring them up. I know they're taken care of at the cross. I know I'm guilty at the same time. And I decide to love Him and trust Him. That's what you have to do. You have to decide that you're going to just yield to his infinitely old love for you and his infinitely valuable sacrifice on the cross for you that you yield to the blood that cleanses you, you drop to your knees bow your head raise your arms and you say lord my heart betrays me and yet i continue to trust you please work in more holiness and that i would not look to my own guilt and I would look to your blood, to your sacrifice. And that's what you have to do on a daily basis. A yeah. daily basis. And it'll take a while, but it'll happen, okay? Yeah. Okay. Well, one,
4: one, one quick question on repentance. I mean, mm-hmm. do I need to go and talk? I mean, I feel like I need to tell people, look, this is what I was, and I did this, I'm sorry. You know, like in church, everybody seems to be... If they knew this about me, you know, they would reject me or or yeah. so so. But but I, I you know I think I think it, it all goes back to what you originally said. I just need daily or hourly if I need to. I, That's right. You know until I somehow get it. <laughs> but well, I, so you okay, well, Matt. I appreciate it.
1: You understand a little bit more here. Sin can be forgiven, but the effects of the sin continue the effects right. of the sin upon your heart your body those are still there and they're conditioned in you and this is a struggle you're going to have and it may take years before you finally release and realize yeah. that he loves you more than you can possibly imagine and that it's well, all I, I cleansed okay, it's all cleansed
4: yeah, well Don't that's what it. I was going to say I appreciate your emphasis on the what I would call the efficacy of the blood of Jesus. I've I've read this, and I've heard this, and and it seems more powerful than I can really comprehend, to be honest. True. But but necessary. (laughs) Okay, Matt, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking my
1: call. You're welcome, brother. No problem, man. No problem. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Well, God bless. All right. Well, I enjoy calls like that. Um, it's the doctrines of grace that minister to our hearts. Randall, hey, welcome back, buddy. Sure, glad to be back. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. We just uh, couldn't couldn't hear each other. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It happens. No big deal. Uh, yeah. So, so I had some notes. I was going to talk to you about it, but if you have more, you want to go. You're you're the guest. Go ahead.
3: No, no, uh, yeah, I just, um, I, I'm open to hearing uh, what, what, what your recommendations are. Uh, and so, yeah, if you've got some notes, I'd
1: love to hear them. Yeah, here's what I think would be a good idea. But, you know, context is always different, you know. Uh, I like to have what you said. You go to the door. Hey, you have any prayer needs you might want to add? Do you have any questions about God or Jesus or anything like that? We'd be glad to talk to you about that. Uh, if not, that's okay, you know. And uh, here's a pamphlet or uh, a nicely produced track, not something handwritten on a paper napkin, you know—but something that's produced mm-hmm. that, that looks good, and with a church address mm-hmm. and a website, and say, you know, if you have any questions, here you go. Yeah, and that's it. And you, you know, they say no, thank you. Well, okay, that's fine. You know, just praise God. But I'd also do this. I would take note of the situation. Let's say an elderly person comes to the door, and you can tell. Well, very elderly, and that the yard's a mess. Well then what you do is you take note of that. Maybe you get some guys later and and you come back and knock on the door and you say, Do you mind if we mow your lawn? We we we're here three weeks ago, or whatever it is. And you know, we just want to love on you and that's it. And we don't ask for anything. We're not interested in that. Just to serve you. Because that's what it means to love your neighbor. And mm-hmm. you could also say you know, if they want to know about the inter trinitarian relationship and how it relates to the universes in so You could talk about that, too, at the door, but I don't know how far they'll get you.
3: <laughs> it might be, my, my mind's just on a few conversations. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that, that that's so key. We did uh, a previous church I was that we did a program called Adopt-A-Block, and similarly, we, we came out every single Saturday, and we were always there, uh, knocking on the door asking if they need anything. we mowed their lawn and painted their home and the funny thing so, was when groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses came by the, and knocked hold on.
1: on the door hold on man there's music and we gotta go sure, to sure. call back tomorrow and finish that because I'd love to know yes I want to but we're out of time and I'm I'm frustrated I want to hear so call back tomorrow buddy we gotta go sorry Thanks. hey that was Randall from Texas may the Lord bless you hopefully we'll be on the air tomorrow God bless bye